I'm Billy Shore. Add passion and stir. Big chefs, big ideas. Is the podcast from Share Our Strength. It promotes everything that, that chefs love, right? We love being able to connect to community. We love having the opportunity to kind of spread a message. We love being able to spend time with each other. The Share Our Strength community believes that everyone can share in the global fight against hunger and poverty, and that in these shared strengths lie sustainable solutions. In the last 10 years, I'd say there's been, in the United States, a shift from people doing good to doing things that achieve good to now trying to solve problems. Hi, I'm Billy Shore. This is Add Passion and Stir, and we're in Boston today with two extraordinary individuals that I'm just thrilled to have in the studio. Matt Jennings, a chef at a restaurant called Townsman that he just opened two years ago, but has been in the restaurant industry for a long time and is a recent supporter of Share Our Strength and our anti-hunger work. Matt, it's great to have you here. Great to be here, Billy. Thank you. Great. And William Foster, we've known each other for a while. William does groundbreaking research at the Bridgespan Group on philanthropy and what motivates people to give, and particularly what motivates people to give in a very big, transformative way. William, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Billy. Um, One of the things that I want to talk about today is uh, something that's always been of interest to our listeners, which is how do you make an even bigger difference? And we're having a conversation at a time when so many people are asking themselves, How do I get involved? I think the politics of the moment, the results of the election, led a lot of people to say, uh, I need to get more involved in the the community. And um, we've seen it share our strength, Matt, certainly, that that's a natural inclination for a lot of chefs and restaurateurs there. They're so rooted in the community, rooted in their neighborhood. Nonprofit organizations and others ask them to do so many things. Um, And then the other thing that we're always trying to think about at Share Strength is how do we scale that? How do we make sure that that nets up to a really powerful impact? Um, so I'd like to start just by getting a little bit about your backgrounds, uh, Matt. I don't, uh, you know, I know you've been in the food industry for a while. Where did it start? Uh, what were what were the influences? And um, tell us a little bit about Townsman. Sure. Well, it started uh, when I was about fourteen and took on my first job in food, which was a stock boy in a grocery store. And uh, the owner of that grocery store also owned a cafe next door. So I kept, like, leaving my job, walking by the back door of the cafe, looking at all the cooks and really wanting to get in there. So it took me a couple and, of years. And was this in the Boston area? This was actually in Nantucket. In Nantucket. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so, I'm already uh, jealous of your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, so I was able to finally elbow my way in there and, uh, and get some time at the prep table. And the, the rest is kind of history. So I um, ended up going to culinary school and then... Subsequently, move into the West Coast for a little while and uh, loving the immersion in California cuisine and the experiences that I got out there and then ended up coming back home and opening my first restaurant in Providence called Farmstead, which was up behind Brown University. Um, we were there for about 11 years and uh, my wife also being from the Boston area and I decided it was finally time to come home and came back and opened Townsman uh, just about two years ago today. So, Wow, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Um, and say a little bit about um, your community engagement. I know that you're involved with Share Our Strength. You've been to uh, cooking at some of our events. You're going to be participating in a 300-mile bike ride, which we're going to come back and talk about in a moment. But uh, as somebody that gets asked to do a lot of things, how do you choose what's important to you? How do you look to you know, leverage the most impact from your own uh, strengths and abilities that you can leverage? Yeah, all good questions. I mean, I think uh, for me, you know, you, you, you said the C word community, which for us is so important um, on a personal level. And also I think is a, is a, on a level of a, a business um, in a broader 
you know, uh, community here in Boston. We love being connected to the guests in ways that are unexpected. And I think that when you can find a way that taps in personally um, with your guests and uh, and their communities, then you kind of solidify yourself as, as showing a different level of care than a lot of places. And we do that genuinely in the sense that, you know, we really like activation. So we like, you know, being involved in events. We like hosting events. Um, you know, certainly kind of drawing attention to things that are bigger than us and yet that we're still connected to. So um, are there certain specific issues that um, that are personally important to you? Well, you know, No Kid Hungry has always been something that that, that we have uh, aspired to be more and more involved with. You know, childhood childhood hunger is something that's close to home. I did actually quite a bit of work when I was in Rhode Island with um, some local schools um, and, and working with kids and their parents and teaching their parents how to cook and finding out what kids were eating uh, or most cases not eating uh, during the course of their days. And so um, that kind of kick-started me on um, the interest, right, in, 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 the, in the movement. And then being a father and having uh, two of my own uh, kids kind of really solidified um, the need for me to have involvement in in the programming. So that's really kind of where I come from now is both as an entrepreneur, a chef, a restaurant owner, and now as a dad. So Got it. Um, William Foster, you're also a dad of four, I believe, um, and started in business, but then made a kind of a personal transformation into thinking about um, how you create change in a big way. Bain & Company, I think, first, and then Bridgespan. Is that correct? Yeah, it is, Billy. I, I spent a fair amount of time in business at Bain, actually Goldman Sachs before that, business school, undergrad. Uh, I'm a believer in in how businesses can make the world a better place. But personally, I just kept getting drawn to things that were much more about uh, about the, the failures in society, about the places to help people in need. So uh, working with uh, a great teacher to help start the first charter school in Silicon Valley, uh, doing pro bono work with uh, with a group in East Palo Alto, a poor neighborhood, helping start small restaurants and insurance businesses. And it just grabbed me. So uh, so there was one day where Bridgespan got started and tells you how... And describe what Bridgespan is. Yeah, Bridgespan, Bridgespan is, is a spin-out of Bain & Company that, that, that does strategy consulting work and research to help philanthropists, to help nonprofit leaders, social entrepreneurs create big high impact uh change so we're we're 100 about making the world a better place on issues of poverty and social justice but trying to bring the business tools and mindset to do it in a systematic and and hopefully uh powerful way i'd love to get each of your uh perspectives on what's the most compelling case that we can be making or that any nonprofit can be making uh, in terms of getting your investment, Matt, you invest personally of your own time, taking it away from the restaurant and and having to make decisions between competing efforts. Um, and William, you see philanthropists doing this on a much larger scale. What do you think is the most compelling arguments that you we can be making to get people to engage in a deeper way? Well, I mean, for me, the reason I keep coming back to seeking involvement in a lot of these things is the human connection element, which, you know, <laughs> probably sounds trite, but it's totally true. Um, and it's something that I think for those of us who maybe arguably, but are in hospitality for quote unquote, the right reasons, we got into it because we like to take care of people and we like to see, you know, we like to provide and we like to kind of bring people together. 
Uh, and I think that that's something that I continually try to promote within my team, within the restaurant, um, as we move forward is, is, is kind of a, a way to, you know, kind of a touchstone, right. To keep, keep looking back at. So I think for, for us, it's, it's just the, the ability to connect with other human beings, right. Cause at the end of the day, you know, uh, that's really all we have is each other, uh, and the ability to connect with one another. So I think, um, it's a great opportunity to, to be able to, you know, provide the ultimate in hospitality in one sense. So, and what's that human connection look like for you? Does it mean going into a school and seeing the kids who are being fed? Does it mean um, talking to some of your customers about their engagement? How does it? I think it, it can take the form itself? of all those things. You know, I think we we have done all of those things. We have we have gone to schools. We've met with kids and their families. I actually have a cook on my staff right now who is a former teacher and got into cooking because he loved to cook and is now cooking, but now is seeking uh, to get back kind of to that place where he can go and have involvement directly with, with kids and teach them about cooking and healthy cooking. And so those are the kind of people that I seek out. I mean, those, those are dream, um, you know, team members to be able to find. And so, you know, for us, it can be going directly to the schools. It can be hosting an event or, or, or being involved, uh, co-sponsoring an event. It can be working with uh, the guests uh, on, on various initiatives. So I think there's, for us, the nice thing about being a restaurant is that we have a lot of different avenues that we can explore for, for, for finding that, you know, uh, degree of, of, of connection. One of the things, Matt, that I love about what you're saying is, is, in community, you just seem to have such an understanding of your customer and of their experience and really think about them and, and put yourself in their shoes. And, you know, restaurants and food and the hospitality industry, I think, train that up. In a lot of, in a lot of uh, nonprofit work, Billy, I think there isn't enough understanding of the person being helped, that people do things to folks out there rather than Matt, sort of take that mindset of of really understanding uh, a person, right? That a child aging out of foster care needs to be understood the way you'd understand your guest as much as someone that just gets something. And and Billy, I think Share Our Strength does that well, but the greatest nonprofit leaders, the ones that really change the world, have that, understand the person they're helping as a full person, not not just someone to get something. You know, as we're talking about philanthropy, um, one uh, share strength based in Washington. And as I travel, I was in Chicago yesterday. I find that the one thing that everybody wants to talk about is what impact is the new uh, administration of President Trump, the first White House budget, going to have on our work. Uh, Matt, do you have a sense that people um, feel a, a greater sense of urgency around contributing to community? Are there ways that um, people think some of these potential budget cuts can be addressed? Yeah, I mean, I can, I can only speak from my perspective um, and say that I think there is a, a fire has been lit for sure, uh, and we've seen it in a lot of different ways. Um, but it's burning hotter and brighter than ever before, and I think that those of us, particularly in this business, um, who depend on um, the ability to you know, have support systems in place in order to help us kind of achieve uh, those goals that we have outside of the restaurant, like share our strength. Um, It's a scary time. And I think that, uh, you know, you've seen uh, just in these last number of of months, kind of a great rally cry uh, from our industry. 
uh, on a lot of different levels, and I think that's that's not going to slow down anytime soon. So uh, I, I'm proud to be a part of it, uh, certainly, and to make sure that uh, we can, you know, sustain and grow uh, as much um, as we can uh, with regards to organizations like like yours. Is there any reaction uh, from BridgeBand clients that you can share with us, just in terms of how people are thinking of this? Well, you know, a lot of people are are uh, trying to figure out what's happening in this new budget does put uh, does threaten some of the funding uh, for a lot of important activities truth is is that is that government is the funder for for a lot of social services you know more than than individual donations so people are scrambling making some scenario plans and unsure what's going to happen but I'd also say that there's some folks that that see change as a moment of opportunity that that uh, there are a lot of social services that have been funded in one way for a long time and and it'll be a bad thing if the amount of money goes down as proposed in the budget. But if, if some of the, uh, if if there's some additional freedom for, for states or mayors to think about how to use the money flexibly, that that actually could be uh, an upside. I would say too, just uh, you know, to interject real quick, I, the most important thing that's come out of uh, this most recent administration has been for me witnessing it has been uh, the mobilization, right? So you were just saying how you've gone from however many writers the first year that you did the uh, Chef Chef Cycle cycle event to now sounds almost like three times, uh, you know, what you started with. And and I think that that uh, speaks volumes, right? And I think you get to a point where you kind of realize the the significance uh, of of these things, and uh, it becomes kind of an uh, an oh my gosh moment where it's it's you know jump on board um, or you know or, or not. And so I think that that that's been really inspiring uh, as someone in the industry who's been doing this cooking since I was fourteen um, to see the amount of people that are excited and exuberant about now finally having a voice and making a change. Mm-hmm. You know, we do a lot of work with the Anti-Defamation League, which fights anti-Semitism and other bigotry out there in the world. And this last year has been a crazy year for them as, as there have been more anti-Semitism incidents and, and, and other hate crimes out there. And that's the negative. They've also had more public outreach of support, both both testimonies and people volunteering and folks sending contributions. This was the biggest year they've had in terms of of number of people and number of dollars contributed and they're they're moving into new frontiers working with facebook google to figure out ways to monitor and fight hate crimes on on uh social media so the 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 threats and challenges bring out greatness in some of the leaders jonathan greenblatt's a ceo that's only been there a year and a half and it's a little bit of baptism by fire but he's doing amazing things yeah on a smaller level there's a just story uh, the other day in reaction to uh, proposed budget cuts to the Meals on Wheels program, uh, which seems not to make a lot of sense. What, you know, how much money can you save by not feeding seniors the meals they depend on? Um, but Meals on Wheels, which averages about $1,000 a day in donations, raised $100,000 in the weekend after that in one weekend. So you've obviously seen the same thing with the ACLU, with Planned Parenthood, with other organizations. Yeah. And those are the, the kind of places where just anyone can make a difference. Meals on Wheels actually gets most of its money from, from people and not That's the right. government. That's and, right. and, you know, there's nothing more you know that, that, that's easier to understand than, than feeding someone, whether it's a kid in school or an old person. And, uh, and, and America is the most generous country charitably out there in the world. But times like this, people can step up just one notch more and, 
and, and that can make a huge difference. I want to talk a little bit about uh, personal transformation because I think you're you're both examples of that in some ways. And I often think about the importance of leaders um, taking care of themselves uh, first in a certain way. I always, every time I get on a plane, the airline attendant says, put your own oxygen mask on first so you're better <laughs> able to help those who are, who are dependent on you. And that's an important thing to do. And you described one, William, in terms of your transformation from you know, kind of strictly business uh, professionally to really wanting to use those skills to make a, a bigger difference in the in the nonprofit and the civic sector. Um, and you're going through, Matt, uh, uh, physically, uh, literally a personal transformation. You were telling us that you'd uh, really changed your entire health profile, um, I think less than a year ago. Yeah. Uh, you're going to ride the chef cycle ride for the first time. I don't think, it sounds like you've never ridden 300 miles in Absolutely three days. Absolutely not. But tell us a little bit about where you were last June and where you are now. Uh, last June, I was uh, approaching 400 pounds. Um, I was uh, kind of living the life of excess. Uh, I think also, you know, so much of that just came on years of being in the business and kind of and uh, not uncommon in the restaurant industry not right? uncommon in the restaurant industry but i think particularly you know going through there was a lot of stuff going on in my life right i was relocating back here to boston to my home i was uh opening a new restaurant super stressful kind of three times the size of my original restaurant uh dealing with new relationships right and the first time around it was just me and my wife now it's a pool of investors and you know kind of other voices to be responsible to be besides my own um and so uh, there was a lot of stress. There was a lot of uh, extra weight put on, um, and I was just super unhealthy. And um, you know, it's uh, I think everybody it, it very much kind of. Uh, I was just talking with my friend Andrew Zimmer about this when he was in town last week. But very much kind of like a drug addiction. Food, you know, can be uh, one of those things where you got to hit uh, hit a bottom before you can find your way out. And I certainly had mine. Um, it's. Uh, Still tough to talk about, but my uh, my rock bottom was I was going to be on the Today Show in New York, uh, doing a cooking segment, and I had worked till two thirty in the morning at the restaurant uh, the night prior, and had a six thirty a.m. train uh, to make it in time uh, to New York City. And I remember getting home and throwing stuff in a suitcase and a bag, uh, getting to the train station, making my train, getting to New York, getting to arriving at the hotel unpacking my bag and realizing that all I had actually packed was underwear and socks. Um, and I had to be on TV in about an hour and a half. Um, and I remember panicking and running around lower Manhattan trying to find a big and tall store because it was the only place that I could buy clothes, um, and not being able to, and, uh, being really upset and, uh, carrying that with me, um, right into national television. Um, so that for me was uh, was the turning point, and uh, from there forward, there was no looking back. I made a bunch of changes, and I've changed my diet completely. I've uh, started exercising a lot. Uh, I've lost about 140 pounds, and uh, you know, my kids certainly inspired that uh, to a degree. But so did my team, and and you know, my my restaurant requires the best of me every day, just like my family does, and just like uh, my community does. So I could only provide uh, myself at my greatest level if I was able to get a little bit healthier. Um, tell me a little bit about what's next for uh, each of you. William, your research uh, is, uh, I know, been grounded in this idea of how do you build nonprofit capacity? How do you scale? How do you, uh, how do big bets work? Uh, where else are you headed and, and what should we be thinking about how we can be more effective? Well, the place that I'm focused right now, Billy, is uh, is what we're calling becoming big bettable. So 
I'll give you two examples of big bets that that literally changed the world. One, one older and and one more recent. But the Ford Foundation put money into in the in the '60s and '70s into agricultural research, seeds, uh, fertilizers, etc., and launched what people call the Green Revolution. And in India and in Southeast Asia, their uh, insights into what it would take in terms of fertilizers and seeds and training people increased. Uh, food production so much that estimates are that a billion people who would have starved over decades did not. Uh, that's pretty world-changing, and obviously it connects to food, but uh, but there are places where there was an abundance that there became abundance, and uh, and it's lasted till just about this day, and now I think there's you know a next frontier that needs to be crossed. And more recently here in the United States, there were a handful of foundations that funded a handful of you know, a few nonprofits around marriage equality. And, you know, the, the gay marriage used to not be legal in this country, and and uh, and now it's the law of the land. That happened with broad cultural change that, that's been written about a lot. But what's been noticed less is there were a few strategic donors that backed a few really thoughtful, coordinating nonprofits that, that planned where judicial action should be taken, where legislative action should be taken, and what states were the most promising to create the momentum that brought about gay marriage. And, you know, it's not that dissimilar a story in the 60s with civil rights. So there's actually more money out there that people want to spend fighting the toughest problems than there are matches, than there are opportunities that find their way to the philanthropist. So we're working with a number of of nonprofit leaders in health and in global development and in education and, and hopefully in hunger to uh, to help them put together the kind of package that really can inspire donors and unleash the, the, the untapped potential of their money. So we've, as you said, we've spent a lot of time working with donors. About half our work is with nonprofits too. And now we're just trying to to help the matches take place. And do you, and you feel like the, uh, if you call it an industry, is the nonprofit industry more big bettable than it was? How has it evolved in the years that you've been doing this work? My my own sense, it's more impressionistic because you're the expert, but my own sense is that um, it, uh, that an element of the nonprofit sector has really become a lot more sophisticated, a lot more business-like, really, to use Matt's word, that there's a lot more professionalism there. But how do you see it? There's been a huge change over the last 10 years, and, and a lot of it's driven by inspired people uh, joining and bringing, you know, their strengths, Billy. Whether it's people on boards, lawyers, business people, whether it's folks that 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 were chefs or had business careers or coming out of college, choosing to to dedicate their life to making social change. But in the last ten years, I'd say there's been in the United States a shift from people doing good to doing things that achieve good to now trying to solve problems. Uh, Matt, for you, what's next? Townsman's only. Two years old, so you've probably got to stay pretty baby steps, focused baby on steps. it. Baby steps, baby steps. No, I think you know. For us, it's it's continuing to kind of be a part of the Boston uh, food community. You know, we we there's more that we want to do certainly within our own four walls. Um, we've got you know revenue initiatives as being a business. Uh, you know, we also have some social initiatives that we want to try and suss out as well. So. Um, before we start uh, thinking about the next thing, I think there's certainly some ducks and that we want to get in a row and uh, you know continue to inspire our team members and 
and and get their perspectives on on what they want to be doing uh, and involve them in the in the conversation of what Townsman will become. Uh, but certainly, you know, uh, there's always those new shiny things on the horizon. So uh, so who knows? Who knows? And tell us just a little bit about your um, team members because I've talked to restaurateurs uh, who have team members who are you know very diverse, of course, but some are affected by. Uh, the potential repeal of, uh, you know, the Affordable Care Act. Some are uh, affected by minimum wage. Some have had, you know, come from pretty rough circumstances themselves and have had the benefit of an entry-level job that led to the next thing and led to the next thing. Uh, what should we know about the folks that you work with? Yeah, it's a fragile, it's a fragile environment for sure. I think it's never been harder to work in hospitality. You know, we see certainly in the Boston uh, market and beyond. I know nationally uh, a great shortage of uh, talent uh, in 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 culinary arts, um, whether in the back of house or front of house. Um, you know, so uh, kind of the retention is difficult. Um, for sure. And when you find those those good uh, trainable folks, you want to try and keep them around as long as possible. Um, one of the things that we actually have come to the realization of throughout the last year and a half is that the uh, cost of living is just so disproportionate with what our folks are, are, are making and are able to try and sustain themselves on. So we've gone ahead and introduced a living wage uh, to the restaurant where we're actually um, creating uh, a fee on every check of 3.5%, which goes directly to the back of the house. Wow. Really? Um, and we just started that uh, about two months ago. Any, anybody else doing that, or you're in the lead on that? Uh, there's a couple folks in town that I know are doing it, uh, but it was something that we kind of a bunch of restaurateurs gathered and discussed for months at a time, uh, and were really concerned about the impacts that that was going to have um, with our guests uh, and what the perception would be. Uh, but ultimately, we came away from the meeting and, uh, you know, I and a couple others decided that it was time to shatter those perceptions and say, listen, you know, uh, historically speaking, the wages uh, of folks in the back of house do not meet those of the folks in the front of house. And uh, how are they expected to, to live uh, a similar lifestyle? So we've gone ahead and implemented that. Um, I would say overall, there's about a 95 percent uh you know, uh, rate of guests who understand and agree and, and enjoy the fact or, 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 you know, are supportive in the fact that we've done this. Um, we don't hear too many complaints. Um, and so for me, it's a step forward um, for them and for us and for the conversation. So we're excited about that. You know, Billy, one of the things that, that we see out there when you ask what makes a big bet, it's something, it's something that is inspiring and important, but also the change can be sustainable. And Matt, I'm just, I'm inspired by your story about this difference and how the guests understand it and how it makes a difference in, uh, in the lives of, of the, you know, the folks in the, in the, in the back half of the restaurant. And there's a, a lot of that in the food industry and elsewhere. I don't know if, if anybody, if, if Billy shop at, at Wegmans here, but, you know, Wegmans supermarkets, a, a really socially conscious supermarket. And they, have a program called uh, the Work Scholarship Program where they invest in young people to train them up to work in their supermarkets. And there's a huge benefit to, to, to the kids they help, but they've also found their turnover goes way down and that helps the business. And, and that's, that's an exciting part of social change now, these things that, that make sense on both sides. Yeah, I think it goes to what you were saying, William, about leadership, you know, about the, the finding an inspiring leader who's willing to do what you did, Matt. You're willing to take some risk. You're willing to innovate. You're willing to educate your team and your customers and, and kind of bring them along. Um, thank you both so much for this 
conversation. I'm really glad to have you here. Matt Jennings from Townsman Restaurant. My wife and I are coming in sometime in the next I, couple I'm weeks, as I you told to you. It. I I'm can't wait. You to it. <laughs> and, and if people come in and say they listened uh, to you on Ad Passion and Stir, does something good happen for them at your restaurant? I'm sure we'll find a way. Okay. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, William Foster, uh, such an important leader in the nonprofit sector and the business sector, uh, and really changing the way people think about what philanthropy can accomplish. Uh, thank you for the leadership and the urgency and the insight that you bring to it. It's been great to have you here. Thanks, Billy. Thanks so much, Billy. I'm Billy Shore. You've been listening to Add Passion and Stir. Thanks. Add Passion and Stir is distributed by District Productive. Our senior producer is Carrie Thompson. Our executive producer is Peter Ogburn. Add Passion and Stir is the creation of Billy Shore, Debbie Shore, and Paul Woody Woodhull. I'm Billy Shore. You're listening to Add Passion and Stir from Share Our Strength.